5: Time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show
3: me! Budget did
6: it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? hey buddy what's going on all right shane we got some exciting stuff here to go around the sec we got some big games coming up all around the league two games in particular that i really want to dive deep in on this episode but before we do that shane our buddy mike leach has come out with a new classic presser i think this is going to be one of his best of all time who would (laughs) win between a mascot battle between the pac-12 schools in a battle royale to the death old Mike Leach delivered some some classic content here well probably the University of Montana Uh,
0: uh, well the two best of course would be Montana and uh, LSU Uh, What what about the conference? our conference? hmm that's a good question well first of all what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? Uh, the Bruin, definitely formidable. Um, uh, another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Um... Uh, 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 unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something I don't know and then um, the duck the duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there which may be good advice under the circumstances Uh, the husky no chance Uh, the beaver well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath um the uh, the Ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that Ute's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. And then, um, and uh, and you know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. Um, just as far as a beast alone, uh, a Buffalo is going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu- a Buffalo is d- utterly outstanding. Uh, did I leave any of them out? Uh, well, but, Butch Butch is going to have to be clear minded and crafty. I mean, Butch will Butch will find a way. There's no question. The kook will find a way, uh, <laughs> clear minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and. And, uh, and attack when you get your, uh, your chances or your openings.
6: All right, Shane. I just, I just thought we had to do this one. This is our guy Leach here. Uh, thoughts on, uh, who wins this battle here?
4: <sighs> he's got a, he's got a love for them Buffalo, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a soft spot for the Buffalo. Uh, curious man in the sec, who do you think would win? I mean, obviously I want to say them volunteers cause they've got, you know, rifles, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that really helps out. But there's some sneaky animals in the SEC, Mike. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to tango with a gator or a tiger, you
6: know. If I had to go with one from the SEC, Shane, just off the top of my head, I think I got to go with Alabama and the, the damn elephant. I mean, <laughs> a rifle's <laughs> not going to do much against that bad boy. and uh, I don't that's know any point. any other animal that's going to take that thing down.
4: That is a good point, those damn elephants. <laughs> Man, Alabama just wins at everything, Mike.
6: <laughs> well, speaking of not winning, Shane, one other thing before we hop around the league here. I wanted to share this. I just thought this was classic. Uh, according to a Gators beat writer down there, uh, she posted on Twitter, she ran into Steve Spurrier there on campus in Gainesville, and she had to admit that uh, her father's a big FSU fan. And did you hear what Steve Spurrier had to say? No. He said, tell your dad Willie Taggart's a great coach, and FSU should sign him to a 10-year extension. <laughs> oh,
4: man, the coach has still got it, buddy.
6: <laughs> oh, man, you know what's bad when the damn rival coach is begging for an extension? It reminds me of the end of the Butch Jones era, Shane, when mm-hmm. all these fans were coming into Neyland Stadium saying, you know, keep Butch
3: Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
6: Uh, Oh, man.
4: Even the media, though, I mean, like Shiano, we didn't think he'd be a good coach. And it was just, it was amazing how many people were supporting Shiano coming to Tennessee. You know what I'm
3: saying?
6: (laughs) Exactly. All right, Shane, so that's all I got uh, for those shenanigans. You ready to go around the league?
3: Now let's go around the league. Now let's go around the league.
0: We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so, and I wouldn't tell you if I did, so, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
2: I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week, All our play, I mean, it's just like, right, I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice, so you just uh, get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right?
7: Right? this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, oh, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane,
6: let's start here in College Station. Giga Gigamagas. We obviously got a big one here. I was writing about this game. For Saturday Down South here on Tuesday, Shane. Of course, I'm talking about Auburn coming in to Texas A&M. Texas A&M's already got a defeat on the year, but it was at a conference. So, obviously, that doesn't hurt them uh, on the run to a potential SEC West title. And you flip it over to Auburn, of course, they're undefeated. But this is their first SEC test. It's the first true road game. Uh, This game, I don't think the team that loses it by any means is the season over but there's so many more landmines on the schedule for both of these teams that starting in an 0 and 1 hole in the SEC I think it's it's just going to be too daunting to have not to have a not have a good season but to any chance at an SEC West title I think goes away if they if you lose this one
4: I think you're right man uh, this this is a huge game for the SEC West uh, you know if you lose this game that's pretty much your out dude uh, you know when you look at teams like LSU and and Alabama you know you whoever wins this one has an opportunity but they still got to beat those juggernauts you know but you can't do it if you lose this ball game
3: mm-hmm.
6: so let's jump to Jimbo Fisher here Shane he met with the media on Monday to discuss this game the importance of beginning conference play he tried to downplay it a little bit. Which I I like what he had to say here, but I think he's downplaying it a little too much. I don't think he's saying this, you know, in his locker room, and the game coming down to this line of scrimmage. I think he's dead on the mark on that one.
0: You mentioned the importance of the conference opener, especially in the SEC West, especially going against a top ten team. I mean, what does this kind of mean for you in terms of a tone setter? I guess for the rest of the season.
5: Well, I mean, it, it, I don't know if it's a tone. See, you set a tone, but you got to reset that tone each and every week. I mean, that's the thing about it. It doesn't matter. It's just one game at a time. It's it's a conference game. It's an important game, and it's an interdivisional game. It's an important game. Uh, It puts you in a great position if you can have success, but you have to practice and prepare to have success. And what we do, but, and, you know, whether you, you win the game, you still have to line up and play the next week. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you've got another conference game and another individual game and, and what goes on. And, you know, I just take them one week at a time and, uh, you know, none are bigger than others. It's the biggest ones the one in front of us. So, but it's important that we have success. There's no doubt.
3: Second row, Olin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Coach, you, know, you mentioned how good the Auburn defensive front is. So what have you seen from your offense? Well, sec-
5: their whole defense. <laughs> yeah,
3: especially the front. What have you seen from the offensive line to make you feel like that, you know, y'all could either win that matchup or at least, you know.
5: Well, I mean, our guys, so- we've ran the ball, moved the ball. Uh, there's things in the Clemson game we did extremely well. Some misassignments we had or just miscommunications on blocks. But we know and, and what I see daily by who we're blocking. We have a very good front, too. And our guys block our guys and move the football and do the things they do. And, and our front wins some, too. Listen, they're going to win their battles. We have to win our share of them. We're going to have to be very tough in, in, in what we do because they're big, physical, and uh, in how they fit. So, I mean, I've watched this. It's going to be one heck of a battle. Because, like I say, everybody who plays them, you know, is is going to be, it's going to be a challenge.
3: Coach, you talked about Auburn's defense, but on offense, they're a team that likes to establish the run. Have a lot of guys capable of running.
5: No doubt. And against back your, is a really good player. I mean, their tight ends, backs, and they're physical up front.
3: So. With your
4: defensive front, I mean, how do you – I mean, what's the matchup going to be like? Boy,
5: it's going to be physical. Listen, that's going to – and the trenches on both sides is going to be a physical knock them, rock them, sock them game. I mean, it's going to be who can help control that part. We're going to have to be able to play the run and then play the quarterback run. And then, plus, play their fly sweeps and all those things and keep the edges and keep – which, you know, can weaken the inside. They do a great job of those things. So, it's going to be a huge challenge uh, for our defense because of what they do. Like I said, Gus does a tremendous job on offense and how they do it. And uh, we're going to have to be physical up front and, and play on – take on blockers. we are going to have to defeat blockers. There's no doubt.
6: All right, Shane. so, for me, the key to this matchup is going to be – a lot of people are going to be focused on Bo Nix, obviously. A true freshman hitting the road for the first time but i really think it's going to come down to a&m being able to stop auburn on the ground i think that's where this one is is going to be won or lost and on the flip side a&m just hold like surviving basically against this auburn defensive front uh what say you yeah no i think you're right this is going to this game is
4: going to come down to the trenches you know uh, Auburn's strong suit, obviously, is that defensive front. And if Texas A&M finds themselves getting one-dimensional, it's going to be a long freaking ball game, man. Mm-hmm.
6: Now, do you think this could be a type of performance where, let's say the Aggies, you know, the offensive line does not have a good day. They've already lost uh, Jay Sean Corbin for the season. Maybe they don't get that ground game going. Is there any chance – I know we kind of were looking – for Kellen Mond to have a potentially heroic day at Clemson, he definitely didn't. Any chance he has that type of performance here against Auburn and he saves the day for A&M?
4: Yeah, because I think it's easier to talk these boys up after a loss to the first-ranked team in the nation. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. when you drop one to Auburn, a team that was in turmoil the end of last season, and here's A&M supposed to be on the upswing, I think it's going to be tougher, especially when we're getting deeper into this
6: conference play. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Let's jump on to the other side. Then let's go to Auburn.
8: War, damn eagle.
6: Where Gus Malzal met with the media here on Tuesday, and uh, his team's kind of a little beaten up. Uh, they had uh, Prince Watatego. I'm <laughs> sure I butchered his name. The left tackle. He's banged up. Derek Brown banged up. Uh, they expect both these guys to practice all week. They'll kind of. They'll see how how it goes. I expect both these guys to play based on the fact they're still practicing. But Auburn a little banged up in this one. And let me ask you this, Shane, or, or let me add this note, Shane. This is something interesting that I did not realize. Old Jimbo Fisher, when he was coaching at Auburn, you know who he coached? Uh, no. Oh. Old Patrick Nix, Bo's father. So <laughs> oh, Jimbo, he knows all about Bo Nix. Now, obviously, that's not going to help him much because he's a, the offensive side. And, you know, that's going to come down to Mike Elko and Gus Malzahn matching wits for for this one. But I just thought that was a little caveat here. It kind of lets you know just how, you know, the history between these two programs goes back so far. Uh, but let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn. Shay, talking about facing Texas A&M's running game and on Bo Nix his first true road game. Yes, they played that Oregon game on a neutral field, but this is going to be a completely different story heading to College Station. Dude,
4: they're going to remind us about this about ten times during the game, aren't they? <laughs>
8: <laughs> the matchup in your know, run game versus their run defense, which looks pretty good. Yeah, their run defense is very good. Um, you know, what always stood out to me last year and this year is their run fits. I mean, their linebackers know their gaps, and they're, uh, they're very um, – their gap integrity on defense uh, in run fits is is very impressive. Uh, they do a good job of you know setting the edge. Um, you know they they do a good job on their back end and they mix up their coverages with their pressures and everything. And last year they did a did a very good job against us. You know and I think we were fortunate to win that game. You know the way we played offensively. If it wasn't for the last two series, uh,
3: first really true road game. Yeah, there.
8: you know I, I think there's the fact that we had the first game on the road now we had more fans than than they had, but it was still, um, you know, an exciting atmosphere, a big game. So he has that in his back pocket as far as experience. Now, what we're going to see here is, you know, we're truly going the road and one of the loudest places probably in our league. So we'll do a good job of the crowd noise. And we've done that really the last three weeks, uh, even when we were playing at home and, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think it's like anything else. It'll be his first experience, but I know that he is—he's a, a great competitor. The moment won't be too big. I've said that before. Um, so we will just have to handle the the noise and everything that goes with it.
3: You've been pleased with how much you've been able to use Joey these first few games, and you know how, how he's progressed and you know
8: kind of running the ball. Yeah, and you know, keep in mind too—it was a really good quarterback competition. You know, after the spring and fall camp, and so. We have a lot of confidence in him. I know we've been running the football with him a lot, but he's also capable of throwing it too. So, um, you know, we'll continue to go game by game to see, you know, what that role will be. It could be different each game. But he also has to prepare to be the number one quarterback if something happens to Bo. So, um, you know, but he gives us a different threat. And we put him on the field a little bit last week together. And so we'll see where that goes. All right, Shane. So what are you?
6: Like, what are your thoughts on this one? Bo Nix, first true road game. You couldn't get much more difficult than College Station. When those fans are engaged, and you know they will be, it's the first SEC game. It's all going to be on CBS. It's going to be a rowdy crowd. This is a difficult place to to have your first SEC road start. How do you think Bo Nix handles it?
4: Yeah, I mean, this is something we talked about when we were doing the spreads. Is you know the the twelfth man's legit. Texas A and M can can get to jumping. You know, you got to get them out though. That's that's the whole point. If if Auburn comes out here and lets Texas A and M score first or get the first two scores, you know, it, it seems like I mean Aggies will be on them nonstop. But if they can hush this crowd. That defense does what they do. I think, honestly, to help Knicks, the defense has got to create three and outs. He's got to come out with some, you know, some scripted plays, get comfortable, and if they're able to do that, Auburn can win the game. But if Texas A&M comes
6: out burning, then this crowd can become a factor. Yeah, and keep in mind, Shane, last season, obviously the first year under Jimbo Fisher there for A&M, I believe they only lost one home game and that was mm-hmm. the Clemson game that they nearly won. So this is uh, – it's not always been – I won't say a great home environment. It, is, it has been, but for whatever reason, they've not really been able to defend it uh, during the Kevin Sullivan era. A little bit different, obviously, with Jimbo Fisher. And One last note. I, I did want to make this comment before we moved on to another game here, but you remember before Jimbo took over at a and the, the two things – that really haunted this A&M program, finishing strong. They always kind of wilted towards November. And the other one was the team just being soft, mm-hmm. particularly in the trenches. And I don't certainly don't think you could say that about Jimbo's team, and I don't even think he's got you know the ideal pieces he wants on both lines of scrimmage and at linebacker and all that at this point. But uh, I think it's a testament to what he's building there, how good of a coach he and his staff are. That uh, going into a game like this, Auburn, you know, loaded on on both sides of the line of scrimmage. It's not that we're saying it's a complete mismatch. We're saying it's going to come down to that. And uh, I don't know about you, Shane, but I have no doubt that Texas A&M will at least hold up in this one. So you're saying te- Texas A&M's going to be able to hold up? I th- well, I just think it's kind of interesting that uh, we we don't even at like that's not even a question anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When before it was like, well. Playing a physical team, they'll just get pushed around. That's how it always was. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, this isn't this isn't someone's Aggies, you know what
4: I'm saying? Man, they they have toughened up, and you know, you saw a lot of this last year when they went five overtimes with LSU. You know, uh, you you knew that this was a different type of ball club, a different coach team, and and one thing that I do like about A and M probably more than most staffs in the SEC is that it's the same coaches. Uh, they were able to keep that continuity over the off season. And these guys know their players. They know what to expect. And the players know what the coaches are expecting. So I, I don't think this is, this isn't like I said, someone's Texas A&M. This is a, a, a hard physical team. And, and they're deep, and uh, I think that they'll hold up well. I mean, if you if you look at the Clemson game, I mean, they kept the best running back in the nation. Some say the best running back in the nation in check. Say what you want about the, the outcome, but, you know, they, they made this about the quarterback, and, and is that what you want in this game, you know, everything on Bo Nix's shoulders, you know?
6: Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on, Shane, I just want to make this slight correction to what you said because I could tell you fell asleep – I think you told me you fell asleep last year during the LSU-Texas A&M game. That one went to seven overtimes, buddy. You, oh, you must have fell asleep during that fifth one.
4: <laughs> Dude, I went to I went to bed right before that thing even went to overtime. I thought the game was over, man. I wake up to like 40 texts and 50 tweets, and, and I'm like, what the hell happened last night, you know? And I'm watching these highlights, <laughs> drinking my coffee, and I'm like – Oh, my gosh. I fell asleep right before the greatest. I mean, because that was a fantastic end. There were so many times that game was almost over. And some say extremely controversial, of course. But, uh, man, it was a doozy. And I missed it.
6: All right, Shane, let's jump over to this other game, the SEC East. This one's really got my attention this week. Uh, Let's start in Columbia, Missouri. M I Z where old Barry Odom met with the media here on Tuesday to talk about the South Carolina game. And how about this, Shane? Barry Odom, you know, for all he's accomplished there at Missouri, he's yet to beat South Carolina. So that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting note, and they should have got it done last season, if you recall, Shane. They had the lead, and that's when the damn monsoon hit, and yeah.
7: <laughs> this is <was, laughs> Bentley
6: was out, and it was uh, Scarneckia led him back to a huge comeback, and it was just an improbable win. One that Missouri should not have let slip away, Shane. And this, uh, similar to the Auburn-Texas A&M game, I think, you know, it's still early. I don't I don't think we're saying without a shadow of a doubt that Georgia's going to win the SEC East. I know we certainly think that at this point, but you just never know how the season's going to play out here. But Missouri and South Carolina, South Carolina's already in a hole. Missouri shouldn't have lost to Wyoming, but they did. Uh, but that mm-hmm. obviously didn't hurt their conference standing. So Missouri still has everything in front of them. But if you lose this game, Shane, I just don't know if Missouri can get over that hump. Because you, if you're going to be a serious contender, you got to beat South Carolina. While mm-hmm. on the other side, South Carolina, you know, probably an upgrade there with Helinski. They They went yeah. toe-to-toe with Alabama. If not for some calls, who knows? They may have won that game. So South Carolina's got a lot ahead of them as well. I just think this is going to be a critical, critical game for both these teams. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I mean, honestly, going into the season, I thought Missouri would be the team to give Georgia a run in the East, you know?
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And started out extremely rough, obviously, and South Carolina did too, but it feels like they this is two teams that kind of found their, I don't know, kind of found their, their style, you know? They – they, they find. I mean, they got some young talent on that team, but it just seems like they were missing pieces, and it just feels like it's starting to come together at the right time. And and I, both these teams, I don't know what's the point spread on this one because this one, this one could be a tight one, man.
6: I believe Missouri is favored by nine and a half, which is pretty wow. That's kind of bizarre to me because I think this is going to be a close one.
4: Yeah, I, just, I think so, too, because I think it, it this is one of those games that could come down to the last possession,
6: you know? Yeah, without a doubt, Shane. So let's jump over to what Barry Odom had to say. Thoughts on last year's game. He had a pretty funny comment here. And then I also thought it was interesting that they know this, this stretch run with the SEC coming up. They've been kind of conservative with asking Kelly Bryant to run. He's been throwing for some ungodly Numbers so far this season, <laughs> so it looks like that's been designed. They're not ready to throw out the whole offense till they get the SEC play. And I think, uh, I think that's a, was the right decision.
9: No, I mean it's it's a conference game, and um, you know, I got a lot of respect for the program and for Will, and uh, we want to win. Um, you know, it's been a, a uh, contested, close battle since I've been here in 15. I uh, you know, feel like it during the game they pulled away uh you know last year was uh, back and forth throughout the entire course of the game and you know hopefully we can get it into the fourth quarter and find a way to, to prepare well enough to put ourselves in that position to go win it late well, I I less bring an umbrella uh always understand don't trust the weather forecast and then you got to make plays down the stretch you know and they, they calculated plays that that always come up and and uh, you know, determine the outcome of the game. They made more than we did. Yeah, I think you know some of that, you know, he threw the ball vertically at, at uh, you know, Clemson. He had some of that, that that he had on tape and that he did. I think he's fine-tuned it since he's been here, and some of that's with his footwork. Um, you know, and also the timing with the receivers down the field is, has been a big part of it as well.
3: Has there been any, either on your part or
9: his part, hesitancy to, to run in the first three games, or are you happy with how he's you- done? We were- selective the last two weeks on how many times we called a a true run and uh, we know what's coming down the stretch here and uh, we've got some built in as we do every week and it'll kind of depend and dictate the the game on how how many we call and where we go from there
6: All right, Shane, so as impressive as Kelly Bryant has been this season, we've still not seen him fully unleashed here sounds like uh, they know they're going to have to unleash him here against South Carolina if they're going to win this game uh, thoughts on uh, what Coach Odom had to say there?
4: Yeah, I think this is uh, something they've been holding back. And obviously, they, they probably should have shown some of that week one. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I really do think they've been keeping them healthy, keeping them safe. Because when we get to games like this one in Georgia, you know, there's going to be some teams that they're going to have to. Let it go. You know they're gonna have to play on their toes. You know one of the, the one of the reasons I pumped up Kelly so much in the offseason was his legs, and it's just something we haven't been able to see a lot of this year, but it's something he's
6: fully capable of doing. Now before we move on from Missouri, Shane, I wanted to include this little clip. I did not even know this was a rivalry game, Shane. I believe it's called the Mayor's Cup, and these Missouri Missouri players. Like I said, they've never won it because they've lost three in a row to South Carolina. So if you're a senior, you still, you've never won this thing. And, you know, obviously if you're a Missouri or South Carolina fan, you're probably aware of this thing. But if you're not, you may not uh, realize how important this thing is to some of these Missouri players to finally get this trophy.
7: Oh, it's a huge robbery. Back to when um, Jadame Clowney, Clowney, uh, Murph, and all those guys played. This game is always fun because, you know, they're going to come out and talk some trash. We're going to talk to them, and it's going to be a hard-fought game, a very physical game. So you just know it's when we play them, you better have your um, chin-strap buckle. It's going to be a grown-man game. We've been talking about it every year. Of course we want to win the trophy. we got to bring the trophy back to Columbia. This Columbia, Missouri. All right, Shane,
6: so I just wanted to ask you, <laughs> did you have any idea this was a damn rivalry trophy game? No. I
4: mean, it makes sense, both Columbia, but, you know, the there was a conference call. And I thought it was Muschamp last year that somebody asked him about it, and he had no clue. Do you remember that?
6: That was was, that Texas A&M? Yeah, that was South Carolina and Texas (laughs) A&M. Okay,
4: okay, never mind then. South South Carolina's
6: got a lot of rivalries that no one really knows about it. Uh, You hit on an interesting point there. Both Columbia said they missed an opportunity. They should have called it the uh, Columbia Cup. I, exactly.
4: I, I'm surprised that they called it this. So, uh, no. When I heard this, I thought honestly of the when he was referring to Texas A&M, but I did not know that there was a trophy between these two teams. All
6: right, Shane. So let's kick it over to the other Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina, where Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday, and he was uh, asked about this game, asked about uh, their performance in the previous game. And this is kind of what I was hitting on, Shane Muschamp and his players—they're kind of in desperation mode. That's what they're—that's what they're calling it. That's not me calling it that. Uh, and they kind of played like that against Alabama, Shane. They threw everything out against the wall. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to see if they continue to do that here against Missouri. They cannot afford to get conservative, in my opinion. Even though they got a freshman, he looks like a special one. Uh, so let's jump over to Will Muschamp talking about his team. Uh, being in this desperation mode and then uh, I thought uh, his comments on his secondary because they really they really kind of let the team down on that last game I thought so they need to get uh, that corrected as well
0: well the guys in here talked to us today They a lot of them said that this was a desperate team have they worked and practiced like a team that is desperate to kind of turn things around
1: yeah. I mean, I think so. I think we played a really good team on Saturday. I think our guys played their ass off and unfortunately, you know, we we didn't make enough plays that we needed to make to win the game. Uh, so, um, I like, again, the, the, uh, when you, when you're in the locker room when the game's over and you see that the guys obviously hurting, that's not a good thing, but it's a good thing. And, and, uh, it bothers them. We have really good leadership. We have a very good culture in this organization and, and, uh, the leadership's in a really good spot and, uh, and meeting with those guys on Sunday and talking about where we are and, and you know, being realistic and understanding it's not where we want to be and not where we thought we want, were going to be, but this is where we are right now. So understand where we are and what we've got to do to crawl out of it, and that's what we're going to do. What's been the biggest coaching point this week with the secondary, and, and have you been trying different combinations over the course of the week to to try to see what you want to do this week? Well, I don't know that there's one, John, you know, emphasis. I think we had some issues of staring at the quarterback in man covers, which you can't do. you got to cover your man 1st and not throwing it to you. They're throwing it to him. Uh, and if you are in phase and you do work yourself in phase, then play the ball. We want our guys to play the ball. Uh, But we had some issues as far as those things. We just had some fundamental breakdowns of uh, playing, you know, a throwback a foreign first crosser uh, Matching the route the right way, which is we had practiced it all week. It's the same route combination We had all week into carrying it over from the practice field You know from the meeting room to the practice field to the game day And we didn't do that with you know a couple experienced players and that was disappointing Uh, so and we do have some youth back there with both John and Jamie t- taking some snaps. And I can almost, I hate to say it, I can deal with some of the mistakes when a young can't continue to have some of the mistakes we've made with some others. We're certainly capable of playing better, and I expect that we will.
6: All right, Shane. So kind of like I hit on when we were talking about with Missouri, Kelly Bryant, I mean, he's been throwing up some ridiculous numbers. Not, mm-hmm. not quite two of numbers, but. I mean few are so uh, he's Kelly Bryan is just a notch below that so far and like I said they've not even fully unleashed him here so South Carolina has got to get that secondary in order Uh, but it comes at a time when this team they know their backs are against the wall and uh, you know for all the high hopes they had at South Carolina I don't want to say those are completely diminished here I think they maybe if they drop this game but sometimes when you got to a hungry team like this, with their back against the wall, this is kind of when you see uh, throw everything out there because they kind of have to. Yeah, now we're talking Missouri here, right? No, South Carolina. They're one in one in no, okay. one so, and two.
4: Okay, no, I got you. So you're you're what you're referring to though is they're having they're in desperation mode against Missouri. I, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I get that the season hasn't started like they wanted, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. if Desperation is the word I'd use. I'd say aggressive because the last thing you want to say if you're going to lose a damn game, Mike. You know, you don't want to do it by not taking chances. You know, I, I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna have some of this young talent out here, if you're gonna get Helens- uh, Helensky going, you're gonna to have to be aggressive just because that's what kind of offense they run now. You know, it's not conservative. This isn't the spur your offense we've seen in the past or, you know, must champs first go around. This is a new style of offense that they've been trying to get in place for a couple of years now. And it's finally going and it's an aggressive style. So I I, I don't I don't like the word desperation because I don't think they're to that point. But I tell you
6: what, if they lose to Missouri, they may be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at here, Shane, because if – let's say they lose to Missouri, which we both think is a very quality opponent. they South Carolina could still play a good game and still lose it. They'd be sitting at one and three, and then they play Kentucky, which they haven't beaten in six years. And then their next game is Georgia at Georgia. Yeah. And then the next game is Florida. And then the next game is at Tennessee. I mean – I don't know if they're winning any of these games. You know what I mean? If if they need to get some momentum going here with a true freshman. So I'm just saying if they you know, if they get blown out the their doors out like they kinda did by the end of the Alabama game, that's gonna be tough. Now you flip it over to Missouri, Shane, on the other side. They get a bye next week. So they got two mm-hmm. two weeks to set on this game. But then check out this schedule, Shane. Troy and Ole Miss, both at home. Then they go to <laughs> Vanderbilt. Then they go to Kentucky before another bye, but I mean, you got to think they're going to be favored in probably all those games. So, I <laughs> mean, it's it's set up beautifully here from Missouri, but you, I just don't think you want to drop to South Carolina, have two weeks to think about it, uh, because then it's you know it's a disappointing loss to Wyoming. It's a disappointing mm-hmm. SEC opening loss. I mean, it's just a season of disappointment for me if if you're starting it that way. You can't really say trap game for
4: Missouri because they've got nothing else to look forward to. You know, mm-hmm. they're not they're they're not going to overlook these guys, so they're per, they're going to be prepared and ready to go. So, uh, I think, man, this is this has got potential to be a, a shootout, dude. I'd love to know the over under on this one because I, I think this could be a high scoring ball game, man.
6: Well, one final thing here on South Carolina before we jump to another team, Shane. I just thought this was hilarious. Uh, Muschamp was asked about. Missouri playing at Wyoming and you know we kind of joke about the elevation and all this and that was something Odom <laughs> and Derek Dooley had talked about all week and then uh, they got up there and they kind of they let it slip away from them and Muschamp he saw that one coming when you look at this uh, Missouri defense uh, their first game it seemed like they had a lot of trouble with Wyoming and then the last two have just really locked down when you watch the film was there something that changed or something that
8: kind of clicked for them that you kind of saw
1: no, I mean, I think there was a couple chunk play yardage. Uh, they had a power read. They had a, a an inside zone. I mean, they had a couple plays pop on them in man coverage that were big, what I call chunk plays. One of them was a 70-yard run. I think that was a 60-yard run against Wyoming. Uh, the field position swings in that game. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Wyoming is a very difficult place to play. The elevation is real. It's not – you know, we were at University of Texas. We played up there, and we were told to tell our players all week, it's no big deal, it's no big deal. And I had about five guys puking on the sideline, and, and after about the third guy puked, Sergio Kendall looked at me and said, quit saying it's not a big deal, it is a big deal. I'm dead, and we we're in the middle of the first quarter. So that is a huge factor of playing out there. And you could see that as the game wore on, uh, that obviously that fatigue of the elevation did affect them out there. All right,
6: Shane, so I just thought that was too good of a clip not to share, but uh, old Bush Jeff, he knows a thing or two about that Wyoming elevation.
4: Dude, that's crazy. I I can't imagine, man. Could you imagine? I've never been at that high. Have you ever been up that
6: high elevation? Well, I was trying to think. Uh, You know, this summer I went to Denver for a week, and I went hiking in the mountains, and I think that's, I don't know how, uh, you know, obviously that's the mile-high city, but I don't know if if Wyoming is higher or lower, I'm not sure, but it it was noticeable. I mean, you're just walking down some stairs and you kinda get lightheaded. So I couldn't imagine I didn't do any running while I was there, believe it or not. But uh <laughs> I yeah, I don't know if I could play a football game in that type type of altitude.
4: No, Mike, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I get lightheaded when I go up a flight of stairs. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I gotta puke if I go up too quick. So yeah, I can't imagine going way up there and having to run and uh, and it's, it's just it's it's an advantage, you know, if you're used to
6: practicing up there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So let's jump to Baton Rouge. Go Tiger. Coach O met with the media here recently to preview their trip to Vanderbilt, and I would imagine, Shane, it's going to—I don't think it's going to be quite like we saw the other weekend, the opening weekend when Georgia fans just completely took over in Vanderbilt. And I think that's because, uh, you know, that was, what was it, Labor Day weekend mm-hmm. and everything. And it was just the season opener. A lot of, you know, from what I understand, they're still anticipating a lot of LSU people to come up for this game. But it's an early kick. It's on the road. It's a smaller stadium. It's going to be just, it's going to be a weird little atmosphere, kind of, I think. so. And this is not a place where LSU is accustomed to traveling. I don't even know the last time they came to LSU, or excuse me, to Vanderbilt. So it's going to be a little weird. And uh, Coach O was asked about how his team can avoid a sleepy start. And then I also (laughs) thought this was kind of interesting when he was asked about Joe Burrow's Heisman odds. You know, they keep getting bumped up. What's it going to take for his quarterback to actually win this thing?
4: Apparently Joe's got a whole city coming down to see him. So we'll see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Coach, you kind of touched upon it, but how do you avoid kind of a sleepy start with that early time? And it may, this may be one of the smaller stadiums you've gone yeah. to, too. It won't be the big atmosphere, maybe.
3: Yeah, yeah. well, we, uh, we're we going to work hard on it. I promise you that. We're going to go to bed early at 9 o'clock. We're going to get up. We have a, a call-out meeting at 7 o'clock, wake them up. We're going through the same uh, itinerary that we did against Louisville. So, uh, you know, we we going to have our work cut out for us to so get the guys going, uh, get them going early in the morning. We'll get it done.
0: Coach, I, I know it's only September or whatever it is, but you mentioned the Heisman earlier. Um, do you think Joe is definitely in that conversation, and what would it take to him to be a super serious contender to get yeah. that?
3: Well, we all know uh, we all know the answer to that. Uh, Yes, he is, and he's that good. You have to win the big game. I think that you have to win the big game. You have to take us to the SEC championship and take us to the championship. And um, not to say that you can't win it without it, but if you do those things, you got a good chance of winning and, uh, Who says we can do that? I don't know. But I've been a part of three national championship teams, and that, that was a big part of those guys winning the Heisman. I guarantee you that.
6: All right, Shane, I always think it's a little dangerous. I know this is an SEC game, and Vanderbilt's got some talent. But I always think it's dangerous when you're getting these questions during the week. You know these players are hearing stuff like this, but – I mean, Coach O's being asked, uh, "How do you, you know, avoid the the thought that you're just going to stamp stampede this team or in an early game on the road?" I mean, is this trap city here for LSU?
4: That's what Vanderbilt's hoping, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what they were hoping with Georgia, and they're pumping up like Georgia was going to be a home game, and it, it turned out it was a home game. You know what I'm saying? But they, have I, I don't know. I I don't know if you maybe bring up Troy or something like that, you know, just mm-hmm. not saying that Troy and Vanderbilt are the same, but just letting you know that – or watch the Georgia State-Tennessee game? You know, they're, if you could play anybody, and if they're prepared – and they, you know, they're not overlooking. They're, you're going to get their best. You've got a target on your back now. You know, this isn't uh, last year's LSU or the year before. This is an LSU team that some are that even penciling them in for the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. potential SEC championship. Even coaches not holding back saying, hey, if Joe does things right, we could play for a natty. So they've got that target. So what does LSU bring to Vanderbilt? Because I don't know, but I know what Vanderbilt's going to be bringing to LSU. And that's everything they got because what do they got to lose, man?
6: Yeah, nothing. Uh, One other thing here on LSU I thought was pretty interesting, Shane. Uh, Coach O was was asked about uh, Patrick Queen, the linebacker, who a lot of people probably didn't have this kid penciled in as, uh, you know, one of the key defenders here for LSU coming into the season. Uh, But Coach O kind of – praise this kid and his work ethic and just keep grinding. And, uh, you know, I think these stories used to be a lot more common. But now nowadays, with the transfer portal and everything, people are, are quick to cut bait and go where they can play. So I just thought this was kind of an interesting uh, little clip here about Patrick Queen.
3: Some guys, um, when when they don't get it their way, they to into the transfer portal. They want to go. This guy came into my office and said, what can I do to get better? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna fight this thing out. Great example of that. Stick around. Hey, listen. Hey, we got a plan for you, son. It's gonna happen. And now he's one of our best players on our team.
6: So. All right, Shane. So I just thought this was a cool little story here. But uh, you know, Coach O seems like he's really proud of this kid. And it, I just always think uh, a lot of these, a lot of times, these guys get overlooked. That stick it out and work hard, and they finally get their opportunity. They make the most of it. Uh, he just mm-hmm. kind of deserves a little shout out here yeah for sure man I, I i think that's awesome and he's repl- you know obviously replacing an all-american so a, a lot of people just quickly overlook it but uh how are you going to replace <laughs> someone like Devin white you do it right here you do it by grinding and, and just working your ass off
4: that's it man it's it's but it, you know he had a he had a hell of a mentor so i you know i'm, I'm hoping the apple didn't fall far from the tree and he has the same worth ethic as uh as white did
6: you know mm-hmm All right, two final updates here on LSU real quick. Shane, defensive back Todd Harris, safety, he's out for the season, He got injured, Coach O announced that this week. And then Ed Ingram, Shane, a former starter at guard. uh, Big boy. He started basically his entire freshman season, and this was the kid that uh, right before season started last year during camp was accused of uh, sexual assault in Texas, and they suspended him, and he remained suspended. But uh, on Monday he announced he was back on the team and then he deleted that tweet real quick so uh, I I didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on with that but coach O says that uh, you know he's they'll have an update here soon but it sounds he didn't officially welcome him back to the team but he says in the next day or two they they anticipate getting good news so I mean yeah. this that's basically the only hole they have on offense is at guard they've got one guard spot that's kind of iffy and I don't know what kind of shape Ed Ingram's in, but if they can get him back, work him back into the lineup, um, you know, it's not often you're adding a guard, and it's a big, big deal. But that could be huge yeah. for LSU. Yeah, and I want
4: to, I want to tamper expectations. I mean, he's a big, big guy. I mean, he, he. I don't know how quick he can get back in there. Like you said, we don't know what kind of shape this kid is in. But you know he's also going to have to learn a new playbook. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's a whole bunch of factors. So I, I wouldn't expect him soon.
6: But you know three four weeks, man, he may be taking that starting role again. Mm-hmm. And LSU's offense, a little. Not only is it uh, you know it's no longer the ground and pound. It's you got to be able to run up and down the field because yeah. that, that's what they're doing. You know what?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't. I hope they've been making them a run at least, you know, send them a text through <laughs> a burner phone, you know, say you better get your ass up and run because go- we're going to need you. So I'm sure there was – I'm sure somebody was keeping contact with them, you know, but there's a difference in and just workout ready and, and game ready, you know.
6: All right, Shane, so let's jump over to the other side of this game. Let's just go to Vanderbilt. Make it down. Where Derek Mason met with the media here on Tuesday. And uh, this is something that I was unaware of until last week, but he kind of was asked a little bit more about it t- uh, here on Tuesday. But Derek Mason and Joe Burrow go way back. He knew him when he was a, a child because he's friends with his father, who's you know, former coach and everything. And mm-hmm. says even uh, back then, Joe Burrow was a tough little kid and, and was very competitive. Based on what he's seen on film, Shane, He's seeing Drew Brees when he watches the film. and he, he credits Coach O for changing this offense to finally get this thing going. And then I also thought this was interesting. You know, Derek Mason, when, when he really gets going here, he really opens up. I think he's just a really bright guy who a lot of these coaches don't have much to say. But uh, when he was asked about playing two top five teams to start the season, uh, he did not have a reaction I thought he would.
7: It's different. It's different. I mean, we don't play LSU often. So, like, the reality is, I man, we don't see him every year. But, you know, based on, you know, off-season scouting to, to to where we are today, we had a chance to see some of it, like, in the spring game. But, you know, it's a different team, you know, all the way around. You know, Joey Burrow uh, is obviously the ringmaster. You know, I mean, he's leading that attack. And, you know, he's got weapons. As LSU has always had weapons, you know, all the way around. Receivers, running backs, tight ends. But I think for him, and he's done a really good job when you look at the numbers, you know, over his last, you know, three games. Uh, of 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 being decisive, uh, I and mean, his footwork truly reminds you of Drew Brees. I mean, it's same system. Uh, I and mean, they went, they upgraded their staff a little bit offensively. Went and got a uh, you know uh, a coach or an analyst you know been I mean, from from New Orleans who's been able to you know I and mean, help them you know I mean, work through the process of you know installing that offense. And When you look at it, man, I got to give you know Coach Ogeron a lot of credit. You know, I mean, he 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 took it on. Um, and they've been able to run with it. And what you see is offensive efficiency probably like LSU, you know, hasn't seen for, you know, in the last, you know, 10 or 12 years. So, you know, I man, kudos to those guys um, and down there for figuring out who they are, what they have, and what to do.
1: I playing two top five teams in the first three games. Yeah. help you guys in the long run when
7: everything's said and done. I love it. I, I, I truly do. I mean, I may not like the way I feel right now you know really i mean you 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 don't you don't enjoy you know starting 0 and two and you know, like having number you know 4 or 5 come into your house but the reality is you know that's that's the draw and you know when you have the draw what you got to do man is line up and play football i got a question last night at the radio show you know how do you feel about you know uh the idea of of, of what you're going to take out of a moral victory and let me tell you man i coach to win these guys got to play to win you know man i'm not going to prepare to look at you know, uh, like the end of a ball game, and say, "Whew, man, I'm glad." You know, uh, I felt good about you know, uh, playing a certain way, but not coming away with a win. That's 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 not what this game's about. Now, as a coach, man, you got to step back and you make sure, I man, that you don't you don't uh, uh, overreact to anything that you see, man. But I understand, man, that right now, I mean, this game is critical to us. I know it's critical to LSU, man, but it's critical to us too we 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 feel like man we need to play our best ball we need it now and that's what we're that's that's what we're planning to do on saturday
6: all right shane so coach mason he well i don't know if you want to say likes what he sees from lsu i think he's not liking it this week that now that he's been studying it uh but playing these two top 10 teams he's not uh, he's not looking for a moral victory and after having two weeks to prepare for this game I think uh, Vanderbilt is is going to have LSU where they want them. It sounds like uh, LSU obviously is going to be, you know, you, you hope the players don't, but the fans are certainly overlooking this game.
4: Yeah, no, I definitely. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about Vanderbilt this year uh, and probably should talk more because they've got some talent on that offensive side of the ball, man, and they've just not been able to get it going, and mainly because of quarterback play. So uh, LSU – can be scored on you know especially if if these guys come in here just thinking that they're going to run away with it don't be surprised if mason doesn't drop a few things for you you know he's already played a a top five opponent you know he knows what what to expect these kids know what to expect and uh i just want to see some of those playmakers get more targets get more involved you know it just here we're talking up keton and we uh or Keyshawn, and we haven't seen Keyshawn doing anything yet.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that LSU defense has been kind of the weakness so far this season. So if they don't have that in order, they're going to be in trouble. And check this out, Shane. Vanderbilt's – I know this is going to be an incredibly tough game. There's not going to be anyone picking Vanderbilt to beat LSU. But crazier things have happened, Shane. nobody I mean, no one's picking Georgia State. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Vanderbilt's next couple games, Northern Illinois at home. Old Miss on the road, UNLV at home. I mean, those you got to think Old oh, Vanderbilt's got an outstanding chance in all those games. I mean, uh, the, yeah. the Commodores could could get some real momentum here. It could quickly turn around for them.
4: They should have got week one, Mike. And honestly, I still think this is a potential bowl team. You know, and that's something Mason's been able to do just about every year he's been there, if not every year. So I don't. I wouldn't expect anything different this season.
6: All right, Shane. Final team I've got to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville.
3: Woo, pig!
6: Chad Morris met with the media here the other day, and you know, yes, it was Colorado State. We we know that. I don't. You picked Colorado State outright, and I picked Arkansas with the spread. But and even though it was a ten point spread, and they, you know, final score looks like Arkansas kicked their ass. I was sweating that one the entire time because Colorado State was right in it. Uh, but after this game, shade, kind of the message, you know, I don't want to say it was a uh, a sign necessarily of what's to come, but it just seemed like Arkansas has finally potentially gotten over this blowing late leads because they they blew a late lead in this one, but that they came storming back, and we literally have not seen that in about four years from this Arkansas program. Uh, so let's jump over to Chad Morris kind of talking about the momentum that his program could have for this game and then coming into this San Jose State game. In your post game that you, you guys released,
4: you said that momentum is wearing a Razorback red right now. Maybe you could elaborate that. You
9: got another home game and just maybe the general vibe you got going around the program right now.
2: Well, I, I think, again, it's, it says a lot about our culture of our, of our program. Um, you know, our guys were just – it had to take some mental and physical toughness. They had to come together. We had to go overcome some adversity in that fourth quarter, and and we had to go do it. You know, we, we've talked about it, we've trained for it, we've, we've, we've prepared for it, but we have to just at some point, you got to go do it. And, and to see that no one flinched, that we were aggressive offensively. Nick had been there before. You saw the ball coming out of his hands. He knew what he wanted to do and to see us move down the field. And we keep saying all the time, it just takes one. It just takes one, and the next thing you know, you get another and another, and that's what happened. Um, man, we hit a hit a big ball over there, to Trey Knox, a couple of them on that drive, and we go down and score. Um, a lot of energy, a lot of momentum on our side. We get a stop, we get the ball back. C.J. O'Grady makes a big play up the sidelines. Um, again, a lot of momentum. What happens next, defense comes out there, and everything just feeds off each other. So. You know, just building off how we won the game. Yes, winning the game is extremely important, but how we won it is
6: far more important uh, for us moving forward. All right, Shane. So, obviously, I mean, there's an outstanding chance here with a with a good showing here this week. Arkansas Razorbacks 3-1 and one on the season. Mm-hmm. And, obviously, they, they did outstanding on the recruiting trail last year. This is what they had to be pointing towards you know, we're going to improve next year. We're going to be, they probably were saying four and no, oh, but three mm-hmm. and one's a hell of a start. That's when you start to see the signs that uh, the program is going in the right direction here.
4: Yeah. And he mentioned CJ, dude. I, I talked about the the bearded trader the other day, but this CJ play was probably the greatest play I saw all Saturday. I mean, he looked like baby Gronk out there, you know, nothing was going to take him down. Uh, outstanding, outstanding catch and run. Uh, but, you know, you're starting to see a few little weapons pop up here on Arkansas. I mean, this is something we talked about with the being a young team. It's going to take some talent popping up to help. And now you're, you've got your quarterback set and settled. you getting all the practice. You've got your your tight ends starting to do their thing. You've got, the you know, these young receivers and knocks. And, I mean, that's, that's how – Arkansas changes the, the narrative, is getting more productive on offense. And it felt like there at the end of the game, they kind of got in a little groove there. So hopefully they can carry that over to this week.
6: Yeah, speaking of uh, C.J. O'Grady, Shade, I just thought this was funny. I can't recall if this was on Monday or if Sunday right after the game, but a lot of people noticed O'Grady did not play in the first quarter, and he came in immediately when the second quarter started. So you would think, you know, he was suspended maybe for mm-hmm. some kind of punishment. Chad Morris was asked about it, and he said, yeah, he had, he had strip throat early this week. And, and one of the reporters was like, but he played the, you know, he didn't play at all in the first quarter, and then he immediately comes off the bench in the second, <laughs> and, and he's making all these plays. He's like, yep, he had strip throat. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it got better over one quarter. Ain't that something? <laughs> So I know from talking to people down there, O'Grady, obviously we saw that play, like you mentioned. He's clearly far and away probably their most gifted player, but yeah. I don't think he's always willing to buy. I don't know if buy is the right word, but I don't think he's ready to sell out on blocking and stuff like that. And we see what a weapon he is in the receiving game. I think that's the issue the Arkansas staff has, but he's just too damn good to not play. Uh, So it's, it's a weird line. I think they got going with him, but uh, you saw it on that play. I mean, there was about eight guys surrounding him. If you haven't seen (laughs) the play, I have no idea how he scored a touchdown. Uh, But I mean, like you said, he just went full beast mode on that one.
4: Yeah, for sure, man. Well, you know, in the off season too, he had this little thing. They, they tried to blame it on uh, injury or something like that, but it came out later that he got in trouble. So uh, he's 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 fighting with the staff along the way, but long as he could do plays like this on the field, man, I mean, it's gonna be hard to keep him off.
6: All right, Shane, that's all I got for this episode. We went around the league here. Hey, you got anything before we hop off? I got some reviews. Uh oh.
4: Well, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, we've got a dynamite weekend ahead. And uh, I appreciate everybody just, like I said, just hanging out, talking SEC football. Uh, there were a few of you that uh, gave us some rating reviews on iTunes. That really does help us out. And a couple of you did a step further and uh, wrote some short essays. So I'd like to read those right now, Mike. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. The first one comes from one large kid. Wait, maybe I read that one wrong. Okay, the first one comes from one LG kid. I'm assuming that's one large kid. Best college football podcast, five star. Mike, I was disappointed to hear you say on your September 4th podcast that there are no SEC fans in Southern California. I have to say, I'm a big fan of the SEC, and I've been here ever since attending the Tennessee-California 2006 season opener game at Neyland Stadium. I was there, too. The passion for the traditions and the pride each of the SEC fans has for the team is amazing. Sadly, this is something you will not find easily at any of the Pac-Fist 12 (laughs) conference schools. (laughs) I must have passed this SEC passion on to my daughter because she now attends the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. That being said, this is the best college football podcast hands down. Those other podcasts where they have various individuals call in for dramatic effect is irritating. Mike and Shane's knowledge and unbiased insight into every SEC team is exciting to hear and keeps me looking forward to each new podcast is posted. Well, except for your bogus emergency podcast <laughs> where it was reported Nick Saban was retiring. So one LG Kid,
6: I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate it. The love from California.
4: Yeah, absolutely. This next one comes from a real long name. Starts with an H, ends with an I. Good stuff. Far five Five star, love the show. The emergency Sunday show after Tennessee lost to Georgia State was a classic. Every crazy fan has been where cousin Shane was that day. Keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate you. Hi. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that emergency podcast, man. I tell you what, they got a lot of hits, but that was a uh, that was that was some hard times, Mike. And I was glad you let me vent. I probably should have done that with the BYU game, but. Uh, hopefully we can get some good ones in, you know, they don't all have to be Debbie Downers. Okay. Last one here. This one comes from Mr. Three Bits. Pull up a chair. This one's a good one. Lovely podcast. Five star. Love the show. These guys always know what they're talking about. Shane is the best. Thank you. Uh, Mike hates my gators more than life. <laughs> and I can't, and I can't stand Mike, but I love him too, I guess. But not like how I love Shane. I hate my job, guys. Don't know how else to say it. I hate my boss, Randy. He's a jerk face that makes me cry sometimes at the factory. He has some some type of a device that knocks out all the internet and cell service out on the plant floor, so I can't listen to work, jerk face Randy. I swear, here's the deal. I love you intimately. Nothing excites me more than getting home, taking off all my clothes, and turning you on. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> oh mr three bits i appreciate you um i will tell you i think you can download the podcast you know uh i I've, I've been in my job is similar where you do not have internet connection so uh i would be downloading all the time download your pods before you go to work and then that way you can listen and enjoy but I appreciate everybody taking the time to give us the rating and reviews. It uh, really does help us out a lot.
6: Yeah, we appreciate all our fan shit, and I appreciate you for hopping on with me for this show. I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I'll catch you on the next one.
3: All right,
4: see you guys. Go Vols.
0: Until we meet again
3: Happy trails to you
8: Keep smiling
3: until then
8: Who cares about the clouds when we're
0: together
9: Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather
8: Happy trails to you here now-